0: Welcome to the Overflow podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. It's always good to take it back to the beginning. Then God said in verse 26, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the animals that scurry along the ground. We talked about this last week. When God created the earth, he created a wild planet, right? It wasn't civilized. There wasn't buildings and running water and electricity. When God created the earth, he created a wild, wild world, right? Right? And we know that when we create things, that creativity is an expression of ourself. So when God created the world, he was saying, in a very real sense, he was saying, I am wild and I create wild things. God is wild. And we talked about that last week. Uh, And then we also understand this, that mankind was made in the image of God. So God didn't create a well-groomed, come on. Clean shaved man in a three piece suit and put him on the earth. He didn't create some polished politician and stick him in the office of, of being man and ruler over the whole world. He didn't do that. No, he created a wild indigenous man and put him in this world that was crazy and wild. And he threw him down there with all the animals and he said, You're a wild man just like me. And he put man on this wild, earth and it says this in verse 27 so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them god created them then god blessed them god blessed them in their wild state before they trimmed their fingernails come on before they took a shower god blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and govern it Reign over the fish of the sea the birds of the sky, all the animals are scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the, the fruit trees are there for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the small animals are scurry along the ground and everything that has life. I just love that word scurry. So that's the reason why I keep saying funny things there. And this is what happened. So he said, this is what you're going to do. And it said it happened. And then it says this in verse 31, that God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. Everybody say very good. Very good. Now, after God created all the other days at the end, God said it's good. Remember? He yeah. created the heavens and the earth and he said it was good, right? All that. At the end of every day, it says very, very, very good. He very, just said it was good. And then after he created man, he said it's very good. So when God created mankind, he saved the best for last. See, sometimes in our world, we get it backwards. We think that, that uh, the world is great, and we're just participants of the world. No, no, God saved the best for last. Humanity has the highest value on our planet. Are you with me? Humanity has the highest value on our planet. And God said it is very good. That word in the Hebrew language means exceedingly good. It doesn't mean like, yeah, it's good. It's all good. No, it's like, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. When he created you, that's what he said. In your wild state, he said it was good. And evening passed and morning came making the sixth day. Um, When we are wild, it's important to understand we are being like dad. When we talk about God as our heavenly father and we talk about being wild, we're being like dad. He is wild. And I want to encourage you in this. Do not bury your wild man. Give him outlets. Let that dog run, right? Let the boy play. You know, as parents, sometimes and, and we what we've kind of done is is we have this thing called caution, and we have this thing called safety, and we've put that as a higher priority to our natural wild instincts. I'm not saying you shouldn't be safe, you know, but sometimes we're so safe that we what we do is we inhibit what God has put inside of us. It's like, man, I have two boys, right, and they. And, and I've been studying this a little bit, and it's been really convicting me on the way that I parent. And because sometimes I'm like, quit being so wild. Like I tell my boys that, you need to calm down. What am I saying? You need to tame up. You need to leash up, right? Cage up. If you have an indoor pet, right, you, you have a little command, get, a, get in the cage, whatever you call it. And that's what we do with our kids sometimes. That's what we do with ourselves sometimes. We're like, cage up. Straighten up. Stop being so wild. It's like, dude, they are boys. They were supposed to get out and play in the mud and get dirty and be filthy and put spaghetti all over their face. They're wild men. And so what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks, I've just been affirming that in them. I say, you're a wild man. I say, Uriah Cole, you're a wild man, Uriah Cole. And he'll be like, you know. And and so it's awesome. And he loves that. And and there's something that lights up in them when I call them wild. Why? Because they were created to be wild wild. So get lost in the wonder and in the joy of Jesus. Now there's a good wild and there's a bad wild, and we're going to talk about that today. But I, I, I truly believe this. I truly believe the struggle that we see in our world with violence, with anger, with rage, all these things. I believe it's because we have no outlet. We take men and we put them in this little cubicle and put them on the phone for eight hours a day. And we wonder, why is the world so violent? Well, because they have this wild spirit in them, given to them by a wild God, and we put them in little cages, and we say, act right. We've emasculated men, and and women too, because women have a sense of wildness and, and wonder as well. And it might look a little different. Could anxiety and depression that we see in our world is at an all-time high. All these issues they're at an all-time high, but did you know that we're more civilized than we've ever been? Maybe those two things are connected. And religion has done a very good job of taming people's pursuit of Jesus. Religion has done a very good job of saying, do this, don't do that. Make sure that you don't move around too much. And if somebody does, then you ostracize them. Maybe it's just in your mind, but you still do. And you say, you need to calm down with this Jesus thing, cage. And can I tell you today that 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 wild spirit that God has put inside of you, it's for God. It's to be wild for God. We call it boldness. We celebrate it. But it's your nature. It's who you're supposed to be. I love what Pastor Sean does when he goes to Costco. He's being a wild man of God. And we applaud it. And it's awesome. And I do applaud it. But that's normal. Yeah. It's normal for us to be bold about Jesus. Yeah. It's normal for us to be extravagant worshipers and givers. That's normal. Because we are wild. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is, there is a negative side. For instance... Uh, Saturday or Friday, Friday afternoon, we went to this little burger joint here in GP, good little burger joint. I'm going to tell you where it was because I don't want you to go hunting people down. But <laughs> And uh, we, we went in and we sat in and all these guys were there for their lunch break. You know, and they were kind of blue collar workers, which is awesome. I love that. And so we're sitting there and <laughs> it's my day off. We had the family there you know three kids sitting on one side of the bench Leslie and I sitting in and then this crew of men come in and one of the guys is really loud I'm like that's okay I mean loud's good you know he's he's a wild man right and so he's getting louder and louder and louder well then his language gets rougher and rougher and rougher and I'm like I'm like looking around I'm like you know I get their loud thing it's kind of annoying but you know it's like loud's okay but when you start polluting my children, with that kind of language, my wild's about to come out. And I'm telling you, I was like within moments of getting up and, and having a little conversation with this gentleman. And uh, I think I probably could have handled it right, but I'm not sure I would have. I might have been a little too uncaged. <laughs> and uh, but that is not the wild that we're talking about today. We're not talking about being ill-mannered. We're not talking about we're not we're not talking about hindering or hurting the world around you. However, I do want you to be rewilded, rewilded. Let me start to see yourself that you were meant to run free, that you were meant to live uncaged. See, the problem with Adam and Eve is they were they were wild for a while, and then they were tamed. In Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen, it says, "The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it." But the Lord warned him, you may eat freely from the fruit of every tree in the garden except mm, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. The wildness, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit that they were forbidden from, the wildness was tamed. They allowed the wild thing to tame them. See, there is a wild you want and a wild you don't want. There's a wild that you were created to be and a wild that will destroy what you were created to be. A wild that will tame you. Pursue the wild that will give life. See, the things that are forbidden are the things that tame us. Did you know that Adam never felt shame and he never felt tame until until he ate what was forbidden, until he sinned? It was at that moment that his nakedness was revealed. He's just a wild running around naked man. (laughs) And ain't nobody caring. Just running and let that dog run. He was crazy. We used to have this kid up the street when I was growing up, man, and every once in a while he'd get out of the house. No clothes on. (laughs) He's out again wild man that kid has no restraint how many know that they were built were built like that and there's an evil side of that apparently obviously and there's a good side of that listen in your pursuit of taming the negative don't tame the positive positive. and i'm afraid that we do that too much we just killed the wild man Baby, you have got to let him run a little bit. Wives, you've got to let your man be a man sometimes. I'm not saying that he needs to burp and fart in front of you and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. But you need to let him be a wild man. You need to, you, you need to nurture that sense of exploration in, in, in him. As long as it's holy. You're with me on that. Come on. But when Adam... Ate what was forbidden. It broke the original function of his wildness and immediately putting in, put him into hiding and shame. The apple that he ate, if you want to call it an apple or an avocado or a grape or whatever you want to call it, wasn't a grape because they grow on vines, not trees. But that, that caged him. When he tasted the fruit, it caged him. It robbed him of his wildness and putting him to hiding and shame not just his behavior, but also his identity. So when God showed up, Adam had forgot who he was. By partaking in the environment that he was in, he was not, that he was not created for, it enslaved him to that environment. So God said, now you'll die. And when you die, you won't be wild anymore. And I'm afraid we've, with tameness, we've killed something within us. It's another story about Adam and Eve's kiddos. In Genesis chapter 4, their names were Cain and Abel. And it says, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In other words, Abel was a rancher and Cain was a farmer. And in the course of time, Cain brought some fruits from the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked at favor with Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. He gave the minimum, he gave the most. He gave an abundant offering. Mm, that'll preach. I'm not going there today, though. Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? And he's like, Well, Lord, I don't got your favor. He said, If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Other words, don't eat the fruit. Because if you eat the fruit, the fruit will eat you. You must master it. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while we're out in the field, while they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? (laughs) I I don't know. Am I I my brother's keeper? Uh, Am I responsible for him? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. Why? Because he allowed the sin to master him, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood at hand, and when you work the ground and it will no longer yield its crops for you, you will be fruitless. Then he says this. This is very powerful. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. A restless wanderer on the earth. See, sin always leaves us restless and wandering. Have you ever done something stupid? You're like, why? Do that. Sin always leaves us restless and you can't sleep at night. However, God intended us to be exhilarated and wandering. God, God put this sense of wonder inside of you. We were talking about this at the Brotherhood last weekend. And we're just talking about like when men, and we were all agreeing that when we're driving down the highway and we see a road that kind of goes over a hill, we're like, there's something in us that goes, I wonder what's on the other side of that hill. And if we didn't have a time constraint, and if we weren't so tame, we would go explore and figure out what that is. Because God created us to wonder. He created us to be exhilarated. But what sin does is it comes in, and it makes us restless, and we're just left sitting there going, man, why? And then we're aimlessly wandering around, going, I don't really know what I'm going to do in my life. I don't really have any purpose. Restless, wandering On the earth. So when Jesus came, he came to reinstate our original nature. Uh, I might come back to this, but listen. Adam lost something in the garden that day. Jesus found something in the garden that day. And even before the garden, Jesus found something in the wilderness Whenever the enemy came to him and attacked his identity every single time. Do you remember? If you are. The mission, when God has a purpose for us, he always brings us back to the beginning. And this is why Jesus's ministry started really in the wilderness. Are you with me? For we see any signs, miracles, and wonders. He hears the voice of his heavenly father. You're my son. I'm pleased. Led by the spirit into the wilderness. Next verse. But, Lord, isn't my ministry supposed to start? I'm a son. I'm a son of God. Go to the wilderness. And what did the enemy test? Exactly what God just told him. If you are the son of God, but he just told me that. We're gonna, we'll probably revisit that a little bit during this series. But Jesus came to rewild you. So how do we get rewilded? Well, number one, you reform. Everybody say reform. Reform. Reform your view on what freedom really is. See, we're careful sometimes. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time. We're careful sometimes when we talk about freedom, right? Well, if you give them too much rope, they'll hang themselves, right? Seriously, that's kind of this mentality. And we have this jacked-up view on what freedom really is. Listen, wild and free does not mean there are no boundaries, even with Adam, there was a boundary. Don't eat the fruit. Why is there a boundary? Because if you get outside of the boundary, you won't be free anymore. So last fall, I had an invitation to go minister in Oklahoma. And they have mountains in Oklahoma. Did you know this? I mean, they're kind of mountains. It's, they're called the Wichita Mountains. Out by a lot in Oklahoma. And I was doing some ministry there, and I, I just I had... The afternoon off and so I wanted to go explore, of course, the refuge wildlife refuge Wichita Mountains, Wichita Mountains in Oklahoma. So I drive out and one of the things that's really highlighted there is they have these wild buffaloes. Now I'd been out there before, but I hadn't gone that deep. I just kind of drove in and kind of looked around because I gone and ministered at Teen Challenge before. And, and this time I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go discover something, you know? And, uh, just cause I'm a wild man. And so I wanted to go explore something. So I'm out there and man, I'm looking this time. Last time I saw one Buffalo, he was like, you know, this big, he was way out there. I was like, I saw one. I was so excited. Remember I told, I took pictures of my phone, a little blur. I was like, there's a Buffalo. There's a real one. I was sitting here. So I was like, I was all excited. There it was a Buffalo. And, uh, so I go out there and I spend the day. Well, then I start seeing signs and be like, you know, don't touch the buffalo and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, I well, only we saw one that one time. Well, the next thing, I, there's like all these herds of buffalo out there. And I'm like freaking out. They look like this. And they're out there. And there's longhorns and all this kind of stuff. And all these animals live in this place called a wildlife refuge. And what a wildlife refuge is for is it's, a, it's an area that is zoned off to protect, get this, the wildness Of those animals, it's not there to cage them in. It's not there to go in your cage. It's there to protect their nature. Are you with me? So where all these buffalo are, it's gorgeous. There are areas where you can go and get close to the buffalo, but most of the area and where the herds are, there's a fence. There's a boundary. So I'm like taking pictures, you know, through the fence and trying to, you know, work my lens and. You know, trying to get it it all in there and get it just right. And I couldn't get any really good shots. I got this one off Google. (laughs) Bill me later. Uh, But the fences are there. The boundaries are there to protect wildness. Listen, uh, Paul says it this way. He's like, don't use your freedom to get in bondage again. (laughs) Because if that fence wasn't there, they could go out and they'd get hunted right? But it's there for your protection. So reform your view on what freedom really is. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want. That's stupid. Because if you do whatever you want, you will end up in bondage to something that you never want to be in bondage to. I'll preach all day. See, you can take the most fierce lion and throw him in, in our, in Antarctica and he's not free anymore. He will probably be tame in that environment. You'll feel like he's in bondage there. You take one of these buffaloes and throw them in downtown Dallas, we're going to have a problem. I mean, that will be on the news for like two minutes. So Jesus is rewilding us. He's reforming our view on what freedom really is. We've been afraid of freedom because we think people can do whatever they want. Well, listen, understand, freedom doesn't mean there's no, 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 there's no boundaries. It's just understanding that the boundaries are there so I can maintain my freedom. So I can maintain my wildness. So Jesus is setting us free into a reserve, a refuge, a purity and passion. Break off that shame off you. Break off all that garbage that keeps you hindered in your pursuit of Jesus and what Jesus has put in your heart to do. To get rid of all that garbage. Reform. Number two, reposition. Reposition your identity in Christ by being reborn. Now, we talk a lot about asking Jesus into your heart. But listen, what Jesus is looking for is he's looking for you to have a born again experience. And maybe you have had that, but you need to turn the light on. And we're going to talk about that. Listen, to be reborn, you must first die. Without, with, you can't have resurrection without death. And if you want the resurrection, then you have to die to something. You, can I tell you, you have to die to somebody. And that somebody is you. I said, you got to die to somebody. And how many know that dead men don't have rights? I think I need to preach the last 30 seconds again. To be reborn, you must first die. It is not about you. Are you with me? It is not about you. Well, this is what I want to do. And this is, no, 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 no. Hold up. It's this great big world. And you you are not the pivoting point of the way it spins. And I think flat earthers, I think it spins also. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) But you are, listen, you are not, you are not the center of the universe. It is not about you. It's all about Jesus. So he's saying, listen, if you would just come and die. We think it's a come and just receive and receive. Yes, but first let's die and then be reborn into the life that he has provided. Dead men don't have rights, so quit talking about your rights. Last I checked, dead men don't even have a pulse. You don't have a right to breathe. All right. Y'all okay? We'll soften up in a minute. Romans 6. I'm going to read this. This is powerful. I'll, I'll preach while I read. How's that? Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. He was not tamed by death. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore... What's it, therefore? We're telling you right here. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, when we sin, we're obeying sin. We're allowing sin to be the Lord of our life. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin, shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey them as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be a slave to sin, used to your pleasures drove you, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form, the teaching at which you were entrusted. You have been set free from your sin. And you have become slaves to righteousness. I know we don't like the word slavery. But understand this. In this context, the word is dulos, And a lot of translations have used the word servant. Servant is not the great right word. The word is actually slave. In the sense of this is when you are a slave, you have no rights. Because you don't belong to yourself. So when we came to Jesus, this is what scripture uses this language. We don't own our lives. He owns us. And it's not we don't have a slave mindset. Get, Get this. He's using this to illustrate our ownership. You do not belong to you. You have died. And Jesus resurrected you. And he said that this. He's like, I will resurrect you if you belong to me. I'll resurrect you. For me, He didn't resurrect you for you. He resurrected you for Him. And how many know that that's way better than the life that you had before? You got to be reborn. You okay? We've been bought with a price, brought into freedom that can only be found by standing right with Jesus. How many know that in Jesus, we have a new instinct? We have a righteous instinct. So that's why when you sin, you're like, oh, dang. Why did I do that? Because it's not your instinct anymore. You're different. You have a righteous instinct now. You are a son of God and sons of God. Don't act like that. When I do something that's sinful, whenever I uh, talk down to somebody or I, I hurt somebody's feelings because I was wrong. And I'm like, Oh man, first of all, that's the conviction of the Holy spirit going. That's not who you are. Josh, you need to go and act like a son of God. So I go, and I'm like, hey, um, I'm sorry. I didn't act like I was supposed to act because sons of God don't act like that. You have a new righteous instinct. And let me just say this. How do you know what nature you're living according to, okay? If you are continually fighting The need to sin. Listen. Oh, man, I have to do this. Then you are a slave to that sin. I need to do this. If you have that mindset, even if you don't use those words, if you have the mindset, then your mindset is that of a sinner, not of a saint. Your mindset is is of a sinner, not a righteous child of God, not a daughter of God, not a man of God. If your mindset is, I need to sin. Y'all okay? And so what we this is what we do sometimes is we run around and we try to avoid do everything we can to avoid sin because we're afraid that we're going to fall into it. Now there is a, a good kind of fear to be like, man, I get me out of here. I mean, scripture talks about running, you know, to keep yourself sexually pure, stuff like that. There are things that we need to run, but but I feel like sometimes that we are so consumed with like, man, I, I don't I don't want to sin. Listen, it is not your beloved that is not who you are anymore. You are not a sinner. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. That doesn't mean that you might not sin sometimes. You probably will, but you are going to feel rotten about it and you are going to feel nasty about it when you do, rightfully so, because that's not who you are. If you were a vegetarian, first of all, God help you. Number two, if you ate meat, it would mess you up. Because your body isn't accustomed to it. That's why when a when a believer sins, we're like, oh my gosh, what is happening to me? Because it doesn't belong in us. It's not who we are anymore. We've been reborn. It's not who you are. Reposition your identity in Jesus. I must live holy because holiness is in my core. It's not because I'm trying to please. God, it's because He rescued me. Because He regenerated me, He He resurrected me. I'm a wild man for God now. I live holy. Number three, resist and restrain. We were talking about this at the brotherhood last weekend, and I told him I was like, I'm probably talk about this tomorrow. I got to it a week later, but and one of the questions came up is how do, how do we be wild and maintain virtue? Because right? there's a tension. And it's like, how do I know how to be this wild man and function and not be ill-mannered and all these things? And it's all about restraint. We talked about the nature of God last week, that it is Wild and reckless and all-consuming. But did you know that God has great restraint in his wildness? His nature isn't different. He just says, no, I won't do that. Right? Are you okay? Listen, great restraint. It's called, for the believer, it's a fruit of the spirit called self-control. Meekness. What is meekness? Strength under control. I am a roaring, stinking lion, yet I can live in a house with my family, and they will not be harmed. Why? Because I have restraint. Because I'm filled with the Spirit. Not because I'm so powerful, because I've got the Holy Ghost. The end. (laughs) How do I be filled with the Spirit? How how do I stop looking for pornography? Be filled with the Spirit. How do I stop talking down to my wife? Be filled with the spirit. Well, that's your answer for everything. It sure is. There's no better answer. And are you drinking deep of the Holy Ghost? I've tried that. Apparently, you didn't try it enough. Just keep on trying. It works. It works. It may take a little while, but it works. Listen, that sin is at your door knocking going, I want you. I want you. I want to take you out. That sin is knocking. It's knocking. It's saying, I want you. Are you going to let it have you? When temptation comes and it's knocking, are you going to let it have you? Or will you develop some resistance and restraint? In order for you to overcome sin, you must first love holiness. We want to, listen, we want to love what God loves. But listen, we must also learn to love what, or hate what God hates. We must love what God loves, but we almost also, must also learn to hate what he hates. God don't hate people, but he does hate sin. And can I tell you, that starts right here, the sin in me, the gossip in me, the bitterness in me. I hate that. And when I hate that, I can overcome that. Because I can tell you what, God doesn't hate me. He loves me endlessly, but he hates the bitterness. He hates shame. He hates that. James 4, 7, and 8 say, how how do I overcome the sin? How do do developers submit yourself to God? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yield to God. See, while Adam lost in the Garden of Eden through rebellion, Jesus found the Garden of Gethsemane through submission. How do I develop resistance? By submitting to God. Not through works, not through strife, not through... uh, Yield. Yielding. Resist. And then it says this. Submitting to God first... What we do a lot of times is we try to resist the devil first without submitting to God. And then we keep giving in. we're like, I'm trying so hard. I know, you are trying. But you've got to get the first, first things first. Yield to God. God, I'm surrendered. I'm your son. I'm your child. My identity is lost in you. I've died. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. is who I am. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So when the devil comes, you can resist him. Why? Because you know who you are. And you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Resist the devil and he'll flee from me. You know what? 25 years ago, I'm I'm celebrating 25 years of being with the Lord this year. So awesome. I'm so excited. Some of y'all aren't even 25 years old yet. I'm like, I'm so excited about celebrating 25 years of belonging to Jesus. But you know what? 25 years ago, the temptations were different of the things that I've overcome. But the things that I haven't overcome, they're still an issue. You know why? Because I didn't resist those things. Because if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Eventually, that poser, serpent, weak devil, manipulating devil will move on to something else. You just got to develop resistance. And today, it might be your language or your attitude, and then eventually you develop a resistance there, that area of your life is totally yielded to the Lord. The devil will find something else. He will, because you got some hang-ups, right? You still live in a body and in a world, and he'll move on to something else. But you develop that resistance by just saying no, over and over and over and over again. And then eventually it won't be an issue anymore, because that area of your life is totally yielded to God. Y'all Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna declare this scripture, and we're gonna pray. Jesus says this. John eight thirty six. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you're absolutely free. You're absolutely uncaged.